I'm Amanda. And we are super excited today. I have now moved the super excited. Now it's a thing? <laughs> after, after the song. Okay. We didn't have a song last week, though. We did not. Last two. No. Anyway, sorry, that was my fault, because it's November, and that's also when I do National You're, you're doing a ton of stuff. I yeah, we're both doing it. things to do. Yeah. And I want to write, because I have so many parodies, now I want to write NaNoWriMo <laughs> parodies. Anyway, it doesn't matter. We... We have on the line with us, and it was it was organized really quickly, so I'm really yeah. happy about that. But we have Kellyan and Brian Pletcher, and they are doing something called a large-scale escape room event, theatrical escape room, singing musical event. There are probably many adjectives we could use for this, and it's called Club Drosselmeyer. And they're on, on the line with us now. Hello. Hi there. Hello. Hello. Now, I think you can explain it a lot better than me. I just threw adjectives out there. I, sometimes I just like to wait and let people <laughs> come up with all the adjectives. And they're like, it's a swing dance, escape room, nutcracker, interactive, LARP, puzzle hunt, vintage. You know? <laughs> I'm like, keep going, more adjectives. Um, yeah, because it is. It's all the things. Um, so Club Drosselmeyer is an interactive nutcracker in swing time. Uh, it is a Nutcracker. We took uh, Tchaikovsky's Nutcracker. We rewrote it into Swing Time for our eight-piece swing band, and oh, they play all cool. night live. Oh, they're amazing! They're amazing. Uh, yeah, and so um, all of the music is danceable. So uh, all of our Lindy Hoppers, our swing community, always comes out to dance. Uh, but it's also an escape room for 150 people, uh, and there are a bunch of different puzzles that you can do, uh, characters that you can talk to, problems to solve. And in the end, um, you can sort of shape the the direction of the evening uh, if you so choose. But uh, the nice part about uh, what we did with Dross is that uh, it's sort of if you choose. Like if you want to, then you can just get dressed up like it's 1942, have a fancy dress, sit down, grab a cocktail, watch the floor show. We've got like magicians, tap dancers, aerialists. Like uh, we'll have a flamenco dancer this year. Um, yeah, and you don't necessarily need to interact with anything you can just be there and have an amazing evening so uh yeah so lots of ways to experience the the show and we interviewed you a long time ago four years yeah, ago right yeah was man. that your first show was that your first show? oh it was our very first show it was yeah we we're flying by the seat of our pants we were like <laughs> we've got an idea man we hope this works you know and it did it did Yay. it was yeah yeah we've sold out every year for the last three years and um uh, yeah we're up to five nights this year 750 oh, tickets I know, I know. So knock on wood. So, you know, I, I was saying to somebody last night, I was like, you know, I we, we already did it in a way that we know that works. And so why would we ever do that again? Because that would be smart to just do the thing that you know works again. Like, no, let's make it harder for ourselves. Yeah, yeah. So, we're, so each year is entirely different. We re 
rewrite the story, all the puzzles. We have a different oh, wow. kind of overall game dynamic that goes into it. So just to keep it interesting for people who have come previous years and, and for mm. us as well. And you are based out of... Boston, the mighty Boston, uh, Massachusetts. Yes. Oh man, you know what? I didn't even know you lived in Boston. You didn't? You <laughs> I did. You I knew that I lived far that. enough that you've never been to Club Drosselmeyer, but it's worth it. It's worth it. You got to come. I, I, I was in Boston. You were. So I didn't and you know didn't you. visit, no, Errol. I know. I know. I didn't We've got know a house visit. full of puzzles. Oh, no. Yeah. Well, Oh, it's okay. It's okay. <laughs> I, I Next don't know time. where anybody lives. So <laughs> you talk to a lot of people. You were all it's in fair. the states, and that's all I know. I, so yeah, it's a big a place. place. And I'll go. The oh, U.S. is just uh, one just big, one, one big, empty, it's one, yeah. oh, vacuous we live in, space. We live in the cool town. Like Boston is like, the, yeah. It's a, it's oh, a, I, I had a, a great town. time in Boston. Actually, I have a Did whole you? podcast on Boston. You do. My yeah. my kids grew up. And everybody here has probably heard this already, but my kids grew up reading uh, Make Way for Ducklings. Oh, so we, that's so, great. I know. So we spent a long time in the park mm-hmm. uh, comparing so the, the book to different places in the park. And take that the is such a great way to see a city. <laughs> I wish they had one of those for every city that you could do. Like, what a fun thing to do. Oh, yeah. No. So we, my, my wife and I had a wonderful time. I think the kids Good. had fun, too. Good. And then, of course, there were escape rooms done as well. Yeah, we've got a really great community here in Boston. Like, yeah. really, oh, everybody's just, they're so, they're so supportive, you know, and everybody's friends with each other. Everybody does each other's escape rooms. We all market each other's escape rooms. It's just like a really great community here. So you have a large enough community, but I think, you know, to, because if you're running five nights with like 500 people, or or you like well known 750, now, man. Or 750, sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah right. it's a lot of people. <laughs> Do you get a lot of people also from the university crowd or is, is it so just... not as much the university crowd because we're, we're just too expensive, <laughs> which no, is no, understandable. Oh, yeah. such a shame. The overhead is so high for us yeah. to build out all this crazy stuff. Yeah, um, we ran into the same problem. We realized that we were too expensive for the students. In our right. Yep. Well, so we, I, I teach game design at Northeastern. And so I invite like, all. Oh, of the I students. didn't know that. You That's didn't know cool. that. Yeah. It's pretty cool. It's pretty cool. It's, awesome students i love them um so i invite all my students to our dress rehearsal so that's how like and and they invite all of their friends and so that's how we like that's how we get our student audience in we're like oh guys it's so expensive but everybody come play test and that's you know sort of a an entry for for that crew oh that's Um, great so you have a built-in beta testers oh amazing exactly exactly it's nice but you know it's hard students are are not necessarily a reliable demographic they're so insanely busy uh they they're so so busy like they just got so much going on like you know like you're such a low priority for them they have so much happening um so i would say like yes we have a built-in beta demographic reliable no. <laughs> <laughs> not as much not as much unless you grade them for it but that's kind of cruel you know oh, wow. uh but so yeah yeah of, we... sorry what kind hmm? of game design do you teach <laughs> sorry i'm interested in that too now oh sure sure i know i know all the good stuff uh yeah so uh boston uh, has a really good indie game scene and so uh northeastern because it's a university that focuses a lot on sort of 
real world experience and, you know, people getting uh, time in an actual job, uh, they pull on like a lot of local indie game designers from the industry to, to teach different classes, uh, which I really, really appreciate. So they do have a lot of academic game designers, but they also pull in a lot of us from, you know, our own indie companies or, you know, indie companies that have, you know, five, 10 people. Uh, so I teach their capstone class. And that means that I've got maybe 22 students and they all create their own video game uh, by the end of two semesters. And uh, this year, for the very first year, I actually have a board game as well. So I've got, Ooh. yeah, so I've got six video games and one board game that they're, that they're cranking on really hard. They're going to look really good. We're going to have prototypes ready by next month. Um, oh, yes. Yeah, so that's my class. Oh, that's really cool. Sorry, I interrupted you, but you no know, I'm learning problem. all sorts of fun things. Is that also what, so your company is Green Door Labs? Correct? Yes, yes, that is my company. And so if you can explain more how all that works. Sure, yeah, absolutely. So um, Green Door Labs, um, it's a game design company, not necessarily an escape room company, uh, but I've been working for about 10 years to create games that have physical and digital elements. And most of the stuff that I do is with museums. And so I've been working with museums for, I don't know, maybe 10, 12 years. And I'm just, I, I'm so in love with all museums. I, I so enjoy working, working with them. And so I built out all sorts crazy stuff with them uh, had a game uh, that actually was really similar to an escape room at the Smithsonian Castle last year uh, we have game running at the Harvard Museum of Natural History it's sort of uh, again it's like a puzzle hunt that involves the curse of Hedda Ferris pretty fun uh, it's especially fun when you work in museums because like they actually have objects from the tomb of Hedda Ferris there and so the puzzles that you're doing are from you know these oil lamps that are 2,000 years old and Oh, it's just, it's really fun working with real objects. Oh, that's cool. I yeah. went to the MIT Museum when I was there. My girl, my daughter yeah. do loves museums. So oh, great. So we try to check them out whenever we go places. Oh, MIT yes. Museum is a good one. Yeah. yeah and they're, uh, you come back in like another two years, they're rebuilding. A great big new museum will be, will be showing up very soon. Oh, wow. Yeah. So you get a chance to do like events at museums. So that's really cool. So getting back to Club Drosselmeyer. For those that don't know, because, you know, that would have been, I don't know how many podcasts ago. I think they were one of our first podcasts. Yeah. Our yeah. First wow. Podcast. Were yeah. We, oh, man. That was, <laughs> yeah. wow. So we were all just trying to figure out what was going on. I think that time. was the Google Hangout that. <laughs> oh, yeah. That kept it was. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Sorry that's about why, that. This is really, no, no, that's okay. This is why we're kind of excited because now, you know, also four years later. You could get the podcast you the always deserved. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Now that the audio quality will be so much better. <laughs> so how did you get started with Club Drosselmeyer? So it was four years ago. Um, and as you may know, four years ago in the United States was an exciting year. <laughs> it, was, uh, <laughs> it was a difficult time. Um, yeah, and so, um, but uh, uh, Brian and I are both sort of addicted swing dancers. We're, you know, big Lindy Hoppers. A lot of our friends are jazz musicians. And uh, we spend a lot of time dancing. And so... I saw a lot of echoes about what was happening in the United States in 2016 and what had happened um, in 1939. You know, this just this sense of, you know, things seeming pretty bad, but like in 2016, we needed to remember that they've been worse. You know, like it's bad now, but 
but if you think this is bad, just right. imagine what happened 60 years ago. And they survived, you know, I mean, like at great cost, you know, but they, they pulled together and, you know, we all, you know, every country we survived in our own way. Yeah. And so I just wanted to build something that um, would talk about uh being hopeful and working together and, you know, things being bad, but having a shot at making things better if we sort of keep at it. Yeah. So, um, so I went to, uh, I always knew that I wanted to do something involving immersive theater, um, and involving like swing music because that was just something that I had a lot of resources for. And so I went to go and see a ballet and it, it wasn't the Nutcracker actually, it was something totally different. And it occurred to me that the Nutcracker was a really good environment to create this type of thing because it was modular so we can sort of put things in and pull them out it has a lot of characters that are pretty well known um you know it has sort of a seasonal pull to it so every year people like to go and see the nutcracker so there's a reason to to go check it out and um yeah and it's sort of it's like vague but well known enough that you can really play a lot with the story and thus club drosselmeyer was born i thought it was a terrible idea it sounded like a lot of work <laughs> And I discouraged her from doing it. It's true. It's a true story. But I've had a lot of fun with it. You always have to have that person, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, We haven't heard from Brian in a while. So what what do you do, Brian, in regards to the show or or in general, too? I play a number of roles. I'm the the puzzle designer, the main puzzle designer, and I help Kellyanne with some of the the story and game design stuff. And I also am uh, one of the characters, Herr Drosselmeyer. Um, so I usually, or I always do a, a routine at the beginning as well. I started off with a juggling routine in the last three, two years I've been doing Ooh. a magic routine. So, um, that's kind of fun for me. I learn a new magic discipline each year and, and put a routine together, uh, oh, based wow. on that. So this year I'm doing billiard ball manipula- manipulation, which is uh, kind of a classic vaudeville type routine that you would see around that time period. So looking forward to that. Oh, that's kind of cool. I'm looking through the pictures right now. If anybody uh, just, you probably don't know how to spell Drosselmeyer if you're listening. But if you ever look on the, it'll be in the show notes, but if you ever take a look, you can see there's all sorts of fun pictures probably throughout the years uh, of your show. And it's a great, it's a great setup there that you have. I'm seeing if I can find a picture of you doing any magic. There's a picture on his bio on the website. There's a Club Drosselmeyer site. You're on the Green Door Lab site. Oh, okay. I'm in the wrong place. Oh, yeah. 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 Oh, no. We have pictures everywhere. It's it's so (laughs) photogenic. The night is so beautiful. We just take as many pictures as we can. Oh, there we go. Nice. Yeah. Anyway, we will will give people the the, the URL and we'll put it in, but just in case you can't spell Club Drosselmeyer. <laughs> if you just sort of punch whatever you guess into Google, it will probably come it's up. True. It's true. It's true. Yeah. I don't is Is the Nutcracker like a major thing in Canada? It, it, yes. It is. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So that's a general North American thing. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. So, so it seemed like the type of thing that like most people had a, a pretty solid baseline about what happened in the Nutcracker. And uh, I had other people be like, don't call it Club Drosselmeyer. That's a terrible idea. Nobody can spell Drosselmeyer. <laughs> But but to be the fair, other- I did Google Club Drosselmeyer and it auto corrected for me and it, in the search bar and it also said Club Drosselmeyer nineteen forty two. So like that was <gasps> that was the yes. autofill that happened. Oh, that's fantastic! Club Drosselmeyer nineteen forty two is on autofill. That's great. Yeah, <laughs> so, that's so good. Maybe you uh, typed it in before. Nope. No, nope. Okay, that's good. Yeah. 
I know. Oh, yeah, we're all in. What is club draw for? Draw, draw, no. draw. So well, I feel like when you're gonna when you're gonna brand something, it's like you've got one of two choices, right? You can either brand what people are expecting, um, or uh, so it's easier to find and easier to remember, or you can brand something that's a totally strange name that will be easy to find if people know what it's called. Right. Mm-hmm. So I guess just to help people remember, we can explain the name a little bit. Drosselmeyer is the uncle in the Nutcracker. Clara's uncle. Uh, who's the one who creates the Nutcracker and gives it to Clara. Mm. Um, so in our story, he's owning this nightclub, Club Drosselmeyer, and he's also a scientist and is working on some top-secret military technology called Project Nutcracker at Drosselmeyer Industries, which is his uh, his lab. And Clara is the head scientist at this lab as well, so she's involved. Ah, actually, yeah, you can find out all sorts of things if you even search for Drosselmeyer. So what have you learned? It's been three years. Mm-hmm. The first one was probably hectic and amazing and maddening at the same time. Probably all oh, sorts of fun things. crazy. Yeah, yeah, it <laughs> was now amazing. it's four years later and you have... You have it down pat. Now everything runs smoothly. And oh, right? yes, yes. No surprises ever, right? So, so easy. Um, no, we've learned a lot of things. We learned a lot about the community. We've learned a lot about how to run the game. Um, you know, I think the first thing that we learned, like we were really expecting, we thought like the theater community or like the ballet community, I don't know. I guess we just thought that everybody would be like, wow, this is a new type of theater. This is amazing. Um, but the, the communities that actually really rallied behind us were like the vintage community, the swing dance community, the puzzling community, the LARP community, the escape room community, you know, and it was a sort of these wonderful networks of people that we know and love. Um, mm. And it really grew organically from that. And so initially we were thinking, oh, we have to do, sort of do this, you know, scatter outreach, you know, so the rest of the world knows what Club Drosselmeyer is. But that really wasn't the way to do it. Like it, the best way to sort of reach people was to work internally from people who already cared about what we were doing. Mm. And uh, yeah, we've been able to grow every year from that. Um, we even said to the uh, theater that we're working with, we're like, wow, just nobody, nobody's covering us. Like we really thought that that maybe some advertising, not advertising, but um, media, like yeah, newspaper yeah, we thought we'd get something. reviewed or something, but no, like it was like crickets. Nobody. Yeah, I never got a reviewer to come other than. <gasps> Room Escape Artists. Of right. Course. Of course. Room Escape Artists. David and Lisa, they're the best. Um, yeah, well, so. Amanda has thoughts on the theater community. <laughs> oh, do you? Are they good thoughts? or? Well, yeah. no, like the Toronto community is different, although it's, it's changing slightly now. But when it comes to things like any time immersive theater, like it's still considered to be fairly new ish in Toronto. Mm-hmm. And the, the theater. It's been like. 10, 15, yeah, 20 years. the theater community, yeah. or more common in Toronto now, I guess, not so so much new, but sometimes, at least when I was more in, involved in the theater community years ago, there's a little bit of snobbery behind these types of events. So anything that could be considered a game, for instance, uh, some theater artists might cons- not consider that true art or something and i have a more uh cynical view about it theater really only likes to perform for other theater go it's like it's like wait what you're performing doesn't reflect how our lives are in theater 
as opposed to what life is like in the real world. So we don't want to. No, that's yeah. I like that. So this this is a side note, but I saw the I saw the show The Flick um, last week. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you've ever heard of it. Oh no, Uh, it's a it's apparently a famous one. I just sort of went because my friend was going, and I I guess it's the it's a show that could either run one hour or three hours based on how long you want to make awkward pauses. So I saw the three hour and 20 minute version and, uh, and Extra while awkward pause. all of the theater people in the audience loved it. They mm-hmm. loved it. They thought it was a great acting challenge. And you know what they were trying to do. I could see that they did it well. They executed it well. But for me personally, it wasn't my cup of tea to, to watch people sweeping up popcorn in an in an aisle and for five minutes before anybody would say a line. So and then, as you know, you could, you can craft the perfect sculpture of poo, but it's still poo. Okay. I'd stop poo. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not saying that. I'm just saying personally, but it was like, but it was things that a lot of theater people really love. It's a show that every theater person I know desperately wants to see. Um, but the rest of the So world... interesting. That's so interesting. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's just, it's a really different community. And I think I wasn't expecting that. I, I thought that we had sort of gotten past the part where people were like, oh, games, that's not art. You know, I guess maybe because like I teach at a university now and I work with museums. Right. And in general, the people that I work with, ex- you know, they they respect the thing that we do. And they're not like yeah. respect it, but you know, they accept that it's its own art form. Yeah. Um, yeah. So now that is, that is yeah. changing though. Yeah, it is changing. I've seen little pockets of suddenly the theater community kind of latching onto this idea because escape rooms have become so popular and the audiences are seeking out these types of experiences and now. theater companies aren't making any money. So they well, that's, that's just a universal constant. Theater companies <laughs> never <Yeah>. make money. <laughs> well, you anyway, know, one thing yeah. that they're really good at, and I think this is something that we should start getting good at too, right? So like theater companies, they maybe are not quite as able as game designers are to, you know, get butts in the seats. I mean, like game design, we're pretty good at, at selling oh, the yes. thing that we do, right? Um, but because of that, we really rely on ticket sales. Um mm. Whereas theater, you know, since theater has sort of been deemed sort of an old-fashioned art, um, not an old-fashioned art, you know, but it's like, it's been around for long enough that they can get funding from all sorts of different places and they go out and that's how they fund things when they're not selling tickets. And uh, that's just not really something that we do as game designers, but we could, you know, so that's something that... It's hard. Is it? Yeah. We've been trying for, because we always try to get funding. Yeah, and it's it's, it's hard. It's really, it's really hard. hard. I, it's definitely of, yeah. Yes, a lot of the theater companies now, mm-hmm. uh, since they've been doing it for years, mm-hmm. they always they know automatically how. get it too. Uh, no, really? not always. No, yeah. but I mean they, they, you know, like you know the main huge theater. Companies. Oh my gosh! Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah the so big the ballets and yeah. I mean yeah. we're new. We're a new industry, so we're learning. We're learning the tricks of the trade. Yeah. I was just gonna say, but one really exciting thing that I think we learned was that there's a market. You know, like this yeah. is it's fun and it's exciting and people love it. And you know, it it didn't go the way that I expected it to go, but it went. Yeah. So yeah. So I was, and that's why we've gotten to the fourth year of Club Drosselmeyer. Like I'm just yeah. so excited that we're here at all. <laughs> you know? 
I do find that I don't know what it, the granting system is like in the U.S., but in here in Canada, one of our struggles, of course, is our identity. We we don't really we're desperate to have an identity. So anytime you apply a for identity. a Canadian identity, so like you know, the joke is like our identity is that we're not the U.S. Right? Oh God, and, I think that's good enough. Uh, <laughs> but days, like, but when so a lot of these grants. Um, a lot of these grants are when when we apply to them, they they want to know like what makes our show Canadian, right? Oh, and that's so funny. I've been yeah. listening. We we listen to Canada laughs a lot, and I do yeah. see a lot of that like pattern where it's like like very like you know what makes this Canadian Canadian Canadian. You know, yeah. Anyway, yeah, yeah. it's really it's a Canadian comedy station on Sirius because we've listened to the other comedy stations so much we keep hearing the same thing so we're like we gotta branch out <laughs> listen to the Canadian stuff but there's always like a little thing in there like they make a hockey reference or they right. say something they're like oh yeah that's what made it Canadian yeah yeah it's always like every and they're like hey this is gonna be a Canadian minute or Don't something you hate like it that. when you're going to a hotel and there's all these like kids who are on a hockey trip that's like that has never happened to me <laughs> yeah, right. well what about a sports trip in general but it's, it's happened to me many times really <laughs> you've learned more about the community what else have you learned maybe in regards to game design or your sure or... yeah yeah so in terms of game design i mean so the first year uh we designed it in a way that we had this one huge bottleneck that we weren't expecting oh, um, right, i remember that yeah yeah so that was really interesting so we um we fixed that after the first night um and then the second year, we designed around it. Right. Yeah. The problem mm. with the bottleneck was everybody wanted to talk to my character. And some of them needed to at that point in the game, and some of them didn't. So there was a line of, I don't know, like 20 or 30 people waiting to talk to me. And some of them, I was just being like, oh, you don't need to talk to me right now. You know, you need to go do something else first. So we ended up fixing that the second night. We only had two shows. But the second night, we had some of the uh, waiters who are sort of our assistants who are helping the game flow well talk to people in the line to make sure they actually had a good reason to be in the line and that helped things flow better yeah adding the waiters i think was a really was a really good move yeah we have five dedicated people who are just kind of going around helping people with hints or figuring out where to go or finding characters Mm -hmm. and things like that because it gets kind of crazy there's 150 people in there Plus the characters, there's like another ten or twelve characters. Yeah, plus the band and, and the, the dance band floor is loud and, and yeah. So uh, yeah, it definitely helps to have them. It's a very important role. Yeah. So it's almost like you have like dedicated GMs going around helping people out. Yeah. We we, yeah. we totally get that. We, yeah. We, we, we did, did the, the same thing. Same thing when yeah. We did ours because there's too many people. Yeah. And too many people getting lost. So we <laughs> yeah. like dedicate people to tables or dedicate volunteers. Right. Yeah, we just wanted to specifically have people like, okay, look out, you know, we wanted our waiters to look out for people who looked like they were having a bad time, you know, or, or yeah. right? Yeah. Like, does that person look confused? You know, like, go go talk to them and make sure they're okay. Because there's so much going on. Like, we just don't want people to fall through the cracks. Mm-hmm. No, that's uh, totally understandable. And, and another, I guess, yeah, whenever I talk to anybody that is even considering a large-scale escape event the biggest thing i always tell them is like you're going to run into bottlenecks and you got to figure out how to deal with that Mm -hmm. because if you don't you'll have a lot of people waiting and quite unhappy because they're 
Because, you know, you don't want somebody to, like, fail if, if you have some sort of fail state in your game. Mm-hmm. And it's because they had to wait for somebody else and it was our poor planning that caused it. You know? Yeah. Yeah. People, I mean, people have always been pretty forgiving for uh, for us so far <laughs> in general. Uh, but, yeah, you really, you really want to avoid that if you can. Um, I think the other thing that we've really learned is um, how to scale puzzles is mm, that, mm. you know, in, initially we had like a really hard puzzle track, a really like a, a nice cruncher of a puzzle track and um, <laughs> only really solid teams would make it to the end. You know, every year we would only have like for each show, maybe two or three groups that would actually be able to make it to the end in the allotted amount of time. And, uh, and other people still had fun, but I think we learned to find ways that other people who aren't going to make it to the end of that puzzle track can still have input in the game and, you know, still have a sense that they uh, completed something and, uh, like, contributed. Yeah, so we designed it to have a lot of smaller wins along the way. There's different tasks that you can do that get that, and then there's also some bigger things that you can go after, and we're trying to make it at least this year more clear which path is which and, and how they can get at that. It's, it's cool, because through, throughout each year, you can just help iterate and try, and try different things. Yeah. But uh, I can imagine. How many, how many, how large is your crew that you have there? Because you have the dancers, you have the Well, last year. performers. Yeah, last year was 42. <laughs> um, yeah, so we're, we're trying to cut that down a little bit. So, <laughs> so granted, okay, now a lot of that is like we'll have, um, you know, we'll bring on a dance team. And because Dross is just really fun, the dance team will be like, this is great. We're going to have 12 people. Um, and we're like... <laughs> awesome (laughs) like that's a great i mean and it's an amazing dance routine but you know but it really does fill up our floor a lot and makes things much larger than they would be otherwise so so this year we're we're keeping our dance teams a little bit smaller and i think that will (laughs) generally keep our cast smaller um yeah but uh we're also using um previously we had you know maybe five different dance teams but this year we're getting one professional dance team that's going to do a couple of different things for us yeah it was big it was really big I know. Well, it's one of those things where like you use your resources, right? And yeah. so oh, yeah. Yeah, and so like we know we know a lot of dancers, you know, and we knew that we could reach out to people and be like, "Hey guys, do you want to perform for these, you know, uh for 2 minutes to this song?" And people are like, "Yeah, why not? That sounds like fun." Um but now that we're getting into five shows, you know, I mean, like you can harass your friends when you've got two shows, three shows, even four shows, people are like, "Well, all right, that's still fun." But five shows, you're starting to sort of go over go over that hump where you can no longer harass your friends to just you know show up mm. with their dance team so yeah so this year we got like a professional tap team um that's gonna like do a bunch of different things for us so i think that that's gonna help us scale a little better and how large is your because you have a full band in there as well right yeah so our band is eight pieces nice. um yeah so it's a beautiful band um so it's elise roth and her harvard squares uh and we uh, they they have a full um set you know so they play all night and uh and then you, we stop them for all of the songs that are uh our nutcracker routines and so they'll like they'll play a bunch of different songs that everybody's just dancing to and then we'll say you know okay uh can we clear the floor, floor please we are going to have sugar fay you know perform her aerial routine and then we'll play uh the sugar plum fairy song and uh sugar fay will you know do hoops or silks or something cool like that and you, and you said all night so how long is your event it's about three to three and a half hours it's about as long as flick 
or flicker. Or <laughs> <laughs> but, but with like 100% more action. Yes, yes. Yeah. You were busy the whole time. I had somebody like like texting me yesterday and she was like, oh, what was it? She's like, there's not enough time or something. I was like, we've already got five shows. And she was like, no, the show is too short. I was like, it's three and a half hours. Like how much time... How much time do you want? Like, that's a long time. Yeah, it's like 7 to like 11, you know, 10.30. We get everybody out by 11. Hmm. Wow, you must be exhausted after all that. Yeah. Oh, it's so energizing. It's such a great night. Like, like my favorite line was from uh, David and Lisa's review last year. They said that they brought some friends and their friends were like, I feel high. <laughs> and I was like, yes, mission accomplished. Yeah, there's just so much energy on the floor. It's, it's really fun. Now you don't have to answer this, and I can also edit it out if. if oh me, wow! We're oh, I know, right? Not so much uncomfortable, awkward things. Uh, it's okay. I'm already so. One of the most frequent questions that I get when when owners want to either try their own large scale events or want to hire actors is how much do you pay your actors or your your creative artists and we can't Ooh. really properly answer that because much like yourself in the earlier years we have a lot of friends that we could pull in for our fun projects and at most we'd gave them an honorarium but as far as like hiring professionals and that do you do you do that or do how do you determine what people might get paid if at all right right exactly so i do i always pay everybody and i'll tell you the overhead for club drosselmeyer this year is somewhere around forty thousand dollars so the overhead and that's like you know that's just out of pocket so it's it's really it's a risk you know so I always feel bad when I send people the tickets and I'm like I'm sorry these are really expensive but I swear it's worth it and it is it's 100% worth it but you know it's because the overhead is just so crazy um that you have to cover it um but I I think it's really worth paying people because people's time is important and our time is important you know so we we kind of want to set the the scene of like you know this is why we this is why we charge this for our tickets so i have not been able to work with uh union like union actors um but yep. i think that's okay because like like we said like they don't they don't really like us much anyways you know <laughs> like i mean really they don't i mean like they're okay with us but they're you know a little disdainful of the, the of game designers um so what i've found is just this amazing treasure trove of talent um among uh um improv comedians oh, um, yes. and the yes. improv comedy uh, community i mean they're oh, spectacular yeah. Um, so clever, so expressive, you know, so willing to engage with people, um, you know, good at creating characters, amazing at creating story. And, uh, and these people, I mean, they usually don't get paid for a lot of stuff. Like comedy is so famously underpaid. Um, and so these guys, I pay them like $50 a show. Um, and that's just because I have so many actors, right? I mean, we've got between 12 and 15 actors and I pay them $50 a show. And so at the end of the run, they're getting maybe 250 dollars for the full run which is not a ton of money but you know but it's it's real money you know it it certainly like we feel it because we have so many people there um it's not just exposure it's not just exposure no like it's i mean and it is pretty good exposure honestly like we we spend a lot on marketing trying to get them out there and get the word out there um but no we don't pay anybody in exposure um and our dancers are um, more expensive um, because you know they have to hold the floor alone. They're not you know we can't we can't really do things without them. You know we we have to go back and forth. Um, so we end up spending a lot for dancers, um, and of course the band is really expensive as well. Um, but yeah, we pay everybody. 
Um, and it's worth it. Oh my God. It's so worth it. Especially. Yeah. 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 And, uh, so, um, so this year we've got, we've got three improv comedians, um, two LARPers, um, four dancers. Um, we find that like social dancers, like swing dancers or four friends of ours who from social dancing who are playing characters. Yeah. Who are playing characters. Um, and and, like they made the milking. Right. Yeah, exactly. Nine maids of milking, like, mm-hmm. yeah, seven swans of swimming. We found that um, social dancers were also um, just really good because they're accustomed to uh, navigating a floor and talking to strangers. Mm, yes. Um, wow, cool. Yeah, so that was another really like, good community to, to pull from. Plus, it's all our friends, so. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And easy it's to just, find them. Yeah. Find it's, the interest yeah. Them, easy to find so. interest. They care about it. And it's a swing dance, you know? Right. So, like, we want people to know how to dance so that if uh, PCs come up and say, hey, do you want to dance? That they're not like, oh, no. <laughs> they actually, you know, they're not scared of that. We found improv actors are amazing because they're used to being interrupted by anybody. Yep. So yep. being interrupted by players does, does not phase them nope. whatsoever. No, nope. exactly. not and one they bit. Just roll with it and then they make it even funnier and oh, it's like, oh, they, so like, they live off of that and it's great. They're perfect for these events. They really are and I mean, that's that's just such a good connection with our community anyways. Like, I just feel like the, the game design escape room immersive theater community and the improv comedy community, like, we really need to do more together because they're just they do so much to make our productions better and uh and our improv comedians like they come up with great story ideas too and so you know we come up with a full story and we have play maps and we have puzzles and then we get everybody together to sort of work things out and the improv comedians like just always come up with these clever clever things to make things like better and take stories in different directions nice so how large is your initial design team i mean how long does it take you to create one of these events from beginning to until you first open up until we release i mean so i sort of read and store away ideas for what i'd like to do like all year so you know ever since the end of last year i've been thinking about what i wanted to do for this year but i didn't really properly start writing until about august and uh yeah and so uh it's usually we first come up with a structure and so then you you figure out like and for me, I like to think about the elements that I want in there. Like this year, I'm like, oh, I really want like a big number with this this song that I really liked, this old Bing Crosby song. And we're going off of um, a war bonds rally. And so I've just been watching all this stuff about how they raised war bonds during World War II. Um, actually, a lot of the data that I'm finding is Canadian. So they had, you know, the, a very, a very you know, similar pro, uh, programs where they would just get everybody together and all-star war bond rallies. And what did that look like? And how did everybody come together? And, you you know, and the slogans were fantastic. And I really, um, I like the history around it um, because it really makes you think about contemporary issues, but um, but in sort of an interesting lens. So like one of the, uh, the slogans that I thought was really cool that they had it sort of everywhere. It was like, we can, we must, we will, you know, just this, just the sense of empowerment that, um, that was really sort of sold, you know, the, the, the propaganda of empowerment. And I liked that. Um, and they had all 
all these wonderful posters. When there were public service announcements, they had all the big stars of the day, and uh, the public service announcements. They gave their big posters, and they were like, you know, I know from working in Hollywood that no one person is better than anybody else, and it doesn't matter what our race or creed or religion is. We have to work together to make this country great. Um, and like that was the propaganda of the day, um, because the the Nazi propaganda for the soldiers were actually things like, you know, what's happening to your wife while she's at home, you know, is the, the Jewish boss taking advantage of her? Do you want her with a black man? Like that was, that was how Nazis tried to drive a wedge in American culture. So I thought that was really fascinating that there's all this documentation, you know, of like us needing to talk about uh, unity and commonality in order to win a war, you know? And so you mentioned developing different storylines every year. So this year is the War Bonds one, as you know. So when people play, is it is it one singular storyline they're following or are there multiple kind of storylines they're doing? No, every year there's multiple storylines. So Interesting. Um, yeah, so we've got, you know, 12 different characters and each of them has a different variation of a storyline that you can follow. Um, some of them have puzzles, some of them don't. Some of them have, you know, activities and quests that you can do. But, you know, it's a huge web of content that you can follow. That's awesome. That. I'm like now I want to go. It's oh, it's so fun. It's so fun. Yeah, and people. Well, we haven't ever asked you when is your next show. We'll put um, that in the show notes. Yeah, yeah. please do. So <laughs> this year, um, our opening night is December eighth. Um, yeah, yeah. So um, we're doing a show on the tenth, eleventh, twelfth, and thirteenth. Although Friday the thirteenth is already sold out. Wow. I know. I know. Five weeks out, and we're already sold out of one of our nights. <laughs> Yay. Uh, I did have one other question. So because uh, it occasionally happened at our events as well, because you have so many, because you have the potential for repeat audience or players, because, you know, you change up your storylines, are people, do people come in costume at all? Do they get more into it? Do you find that there are some players who maybe start out shy or who get more into it further into the night? Oh, yeah, definitely. So um, I think the costume is a huge part of it. Uh, because the club itself is just really beautiful and it's a club too so like there's you know there's a band and there's a dance floor and there's a bar and it, so it, it really has this sense that you're somewhere special from another another time and uh and people do they get dressed up in like tuxedos and ball gowns and like you know the fancy headpieces and it makes such a huge difference you know when you're i think it was the the, the very first year people did get dressed up especially like the vintage and swing dancers like they knew that it's it's just kind of fun when you get all dressed up. Um, but we had some escape room friends the first year that kind of like showed up in jeans and t-shirts and they were like, oh, sorry. But you'll feel a little weird if you don't. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. You dress nicely at least. You don't have to go full on vintage. Right. But it's sort of but the, it's fun. it's fun. And it's sort of like, I call it like the, the, the magic vest syndrome, you know, that like when you are dressed in the, the sort of scenery, you know, like, so when you're wearing something that's fancy, then you can't pretend that you didn't mean to be there, you know, like, you can't be like, oh, well, whatever, I'm too cool for this. It's like, no, you're wearing, you're wearing a bow tie and suspenders. You clearly thought about this. You intended to be here with us. And so you're more likely to participate and really go for it and, and you know, sort of not be shy and, and have fun. So, uh, yeah, so we really encourage people to dress up because we think that that goes a long way for getting people sort of out of their 
their shell. You know, you're you're wearing a silly hat and you have a character, and you know people are just more willing to play uh, when they're when they're dressed up. Um, but we also felt um, that people fell into roles, and that was another thing that we learned that was really interesting. So we've tried to lean into that. Uh, we never told people that they have to play in teams or that they should play in teams, um, but they did. And uh, and like really common similarities, like it showed up between the teams. People would uh, tend to group up in you know about five teams of five to seven. And uh, they would sort of self-identify as uh, introverts, extroverts, puzzlers, dancers, and so they would, you know, sort of send out their um, their extroverts to go and talk to all the different characters, <laughs> and <laughs> uh, and like you know, and get the information. And so those were sort of the hunters, and then they would sort of have the 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 content, and they would come back and they would give it to like the introvert, like puzzlers, and the the puzzlers would sit down at the table and they would sort of crunch and you know work their way through it and they would give it back to the extroverts who would run back out onto the floor and give it back to the um the characters to to do more interaction so that was sort of interesting and people seemed to really appreciate that there was a place for them sort of whatever their personality type was yeah we found the same thing yeah yeah (laughs) and people who knew about our show before would bring okay we need to bring an extrovert (laughs) yeah yeah exactly or people would be like oh we want a puzzler on our team or people would team up with other people that they met who are more puzzly or more extroverted so that they had a better shot of getting further along into the story oh that's hilarious yeah That actually happened with me. I actually went to an immersive theater event. That ended up being more like a LARP slash escape room, which was really neat. Uh, this is like one of those examples of, oh, they're, they're starting to embrace it. Um, but one of the things that happened was somebody, you weren't supposed to be in teams, but somebody realized that I was puzzling things out and literally grabbed me by the arm and dragged me over to his friends and just said like she's helping us now <laughs> we got they one. Had all the interaction stuff down they just saw me i just pointed out like oh look if you reverse these letters and stuff you get a secret message and he was like what <laughs> yeah mind blown <laughs> That's great. That's great. I love that because it makes everybody important, you know, and that's something that you know I wanted to do. Like I want people to feel like they've had a magical night and that they're important and that their skills matter. And so, you know, we build things in there where it's like, oh, oh no, we need somebody who knows words. We need somebody who knows how to dance. We need somebody who, you know, knows a little bit about Shakespeare. We need someone who can crunch numbers. You know, we, we really try to do stuff so that everybody has something to contribute. Have you ever tried to put a puzzle into a song? That's really hard. No. We've always wanted to do that, but it's, it's never really quite hard. happened. Yeah. Because it goes by so quickly. So you need to prep them that they're looking for it first. Yes. Uh, which yes. has been Yeah, the only trouble. reason it worked with ours is because that was the only song that was sung all well, night. Well, the, oh. it became the, so one of the things that they knew they had to do was to request a song, a particular song. And so we and my my initial goal was okay if we they request the song they'll hear it nobody will need to request it because they'll say oh that's the song that's playing and maybe they'll be able to figure it out with about four or five plays no no it became the only song played for the next hour <laughs> oh, no. oh no every person just came up and requested the song and didn't realize that uh, other people would request right. it that's what they've been listening to yeah that had been played before yeah. oh, that's so interesting. and then. And then they would just listen to it and not get it. And I'm thinking, oh, maybe I'll just sing slower. And then after a while, 
I sang slower, and then I began I began to nod at all the important parts. It's <laughs> <laughs> great. And then after, and then you know, it was only the chorus that was important. And then after a while, I only just sang the chorus all night. <laughs> oh <laughs> oh man. It was, it was it was interesting. It was really hard. So we after that, I decided I don't think I'll ever do a music puzzle. It seems like such a good idea. Yeah, I know. But I think a lot of people, I mean, because I'm more leaning on the musician side of things, I can pick out things out of music. And it was just the lyrics I had to pick out. But even then, I think people who, who aren't might find it a little bit more challenging. And so we were singing as slow as we possibly could just over and over and over again. And they were going, I still can't get it. And it's like, oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> just give it to them after that. <laughs> yeah. no, but that, that's actually a hard thing to give because a lot of times in our puzzles, if somebody can't get it, we just pretty much sit them down and then walk them through during the game. Like some of our, because we want them to have fun. And if it looks like they're just getting more and more frustrated and miserable, Sometimes some of our, like my daughter, she's old enough to be like one of the helpers and she'll just sit down. Okay, let's just, let's just <laughs> let me show you how there. to do this. Yeah, let me show you how to do <laughs> this. That's great. That's great. So how, do you get a chance to partner with other escape rooms or how can an escape room partner with you? So, so we're actually hoping to do that this year. Um, uh, yeah, so every, every year it just always creeps up on us and we end up being like, oh my God, it's you know four, four weeks to show so we don't end up having time to do stuff. Um, but there's a really fantastic um, escape room, Red Fox Escapes, um, in, uh, in uh, Central Square in Cambridge, Mass. And uh, they have a uh, U-boat escape room um that they've just released and it's so great and so yes we're hoping to work with them where like we can put some of our content in their space and they can put some of their content in our space and we'll sort of cross promote a little bit because you know we're doing stuff with world war ii and they're doing stuff with you know german u-boats and it just it just seemed like such a great fit yeah so once we get this set up hopefully once you solve their room you'll get a little piece of information that'll give you some background and a kickstart uh for our show not yeah. quite sure how we're going to do it the opposite direction. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So we're still, we're still playing with that. But uh, yeah, we're also part of um, Curious Escapes out in Fitchburg, Mass. Um, they are doing this passport program. Um, have you guys checked out the passport program? I've heard of it. Yeah. Wait, but that's that's not the... There are, I think there are different passports. Oh, are there? there? Yeah. Oh, okay. That yeah. makes sense. It makes sense. Um, well, this is sort of like a New England regional passport. Um, and so they created these beautiful passports. They look like actual passports. And, um, and you know, it's the same thing. You're like, you go to all these different rooms and you, you get a stamp for them. So Drosselmeyer is part of, uh, part of that, where if you go to Dross, then you get a stamp in your passport. Cool. So I'm just quickly... Oh, that reminds me, that thing in our trunk, I think, is part of their passport stand. Oh. The little post with the loop thing on top <laughs> of it. That's what that is. That was. Yeah, it's been in there know. for a year. Well, good. But we'll have it again. Yeah, we have, um, you know, when you go into Club Drosselmeyer, you can uh, you can buy a passport. Um, because a lot of people who go to Club Drosselmeyer, it's sort of an entry for them for both swing dancing and escape rooms. Like a lot of people who go to Dross have never been, you know, either to one or the other. You know, escape room people right. are like, oh, this is what a swing dance is like. And, you know, swing dancers are like, this is what an escape room is like. So, yes. Oh, wait. Wait, maybe this is the same one. Hold on. I should grab mine. This is the We the Enthusiasts one. Yeah, that's 
the one. Yeah. We're the enthusiasts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Actually, Audrey I, Pendleton I Chow. See, if okay. I went, I could get mine. Oh, uh, you could get. Uh, well, hey, I mean, it's only a month out. Toronto's not that far away. <laughs> it's not Vancouver, right? Yeah, yeah. that is so, true. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, that is true. Oh, that's amazing. So, yeah, I think we usually found, too, like, I think some escaped. I think events like this tend to be more of a passion project because the amount of work and the investment put into it as as you said it t- it took you like from august right and then putting all your effort to run it's because you're running a show and yeah a yeah it's a person show it's a lot of work i mean but honestly what game designer is not running a passion project right <laughs> yeah. i mean like that's also very true yeah that's what all of us do you know every escape room is a passion project in one way or another um yeah but it's really like it's really important to me that um we're able to not lose money on this yeah because I, I mean not just because like financially like oh you can't build stuff to lose this money all the time but because that's also such a tangible way for people to show that they care about something um you know i I know that a lot of art that it's just kind of like you know oh i'm gonna make this beautiful art and it doesn't matter because it's art um but when people are really willing to sacrifice something real something they care about like money to be with your art you know that's so important to me like that really shows that that people care enough to you know to keep this going well, just looking at the time here, you guys have to be heading out in a moment. We do. We do. It's well, thank been, you. I know that we could probably talk for another two hours, <laughs> just even commiserating on, oh on the many large scale things. But exactly. thank you so much for, for letting us know about your show and, and, and talking about the wonders of Club Drosselmeyer and other large scale escape adventures. Yeah, you bet. You bet. Thanks for taking the time to chat with us. Yeah. So and if you happen to it, you, miss this year, well, they'll be next year. They'll always That's be next amazing. year. Yeah. But for this year, um, if you just want to repeat when the dates are happening and where people can go to find tickets. Yeah, you bet. So this is Club Drosselmeyer at 1942. Um, so we started in 1939 um, and we've moved up to 1942. And the uh, show is going to be December 8th. 10th, 11th, 12th, um, 13th, but you know, that's sold out. Um, Go to clubdrosselmeyer.com for tickets. <laughs> Excellent. If you can spell it. If but you can spell it. Yeah, just take a guess. Just It'll Google it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> take a guess. Google is great that Look way. up Nutcracker characters. Find <laughs> yeah, Drosselmeyer. Right, yes. right. Work, make your way from there. It's your first puzzle. Okay, man. Yes. And thanks... To also for providing the music. Yay! Yay! <laughs> we don't know what that music's going to be. It's going to be an adventure. <laughs> hey, we've got a lot of it. That's one thing that we are we are rich in music at Club Drosselmeyer. Excellent. All right, talking to soap. Room Escape Divas is brought to you by Inverse Genius. You can go to inversegenius.com to find other fun podcasts just like this one. You can also... Oh, that's gross. That's... Anyway, you can also email us at roomescapedivas at gmail.com. We love getting emails. Go to your Facebook page, click the like button, and if you are using Twitter, you can use the hashtag REDivas. Thanks. I don't know what. Everyone's like sticking markers in his nose. Bye bye.